Hello and we are on the episode number 14 of the Deliberate Dogs podcast and I'm your host Dakshina Dandaya and today in the world driven by technology our narrative will focus on augmented reality or AR as it's fondly known as and like always here are some mind blowing developing facts about the AR industry as of 2020 the leading US platform for startups AngelList lists nearly 5 million companies out of those 5 million companies 1952 companies are under the category of augmented reality startups according to IBT 70% of americans aren't even sure about what ar is interesting right according to a study from dmr more sources credit pokemon go app for increasing the awareness of ar apps today The game has over 800 million downloads and has generated over 2 billion dollars in revenue over the last 2 years. Also, Newgen app states that as of 2020, there are about 1 billion augmented reality users. Pretty cool, right? And now let's learn more about the technology and converse with our guest today who happens to be one of the pioneers in the creative technology space in India. but right after this intro this is the deliberate talks weekly podcast powered by the pixelated egg digital ventures tune in every week to learn something new about digital marketing and entrepreneurship and now over to the voice of your host dukshin adiantaya enjoy the show So in today's episode we have the founder and CEO of Alive Now a digital and a creative tech studio that has been building some uber cool and immersive experiences for brands in augmented reality gaming chatbots interactive videos and more today Alive Now is the official Spark AR partner to build AR experiences for Facebook and Instagram they are also the official Lens creative partners to build ar lenses for snapchat apart from this our guest today is also an early stage investor and is one of the largest shareholders in california burrito here's introducing adwit duddu hello adwit welcome to the deliberate talks podcast thank you for making time and being a part of this episode absolutely dakshin thank you so much you know i have been uh... following some of the recent episodes very interesting and uh, you know different uh, type of speakers that you've got on and uh, happy to you know come on board and uh, share my thoughts and thanks a lot for inviting thank you adwit you know over the years i've been observing how your firm alive now has been growing and doing some fantastic work in the creative technology space tell me adwit how did it all start and what was the journey like for you thank you so much uh, for your kind words we always try to do good stuff for our uh, clients It's been a very interesting journey because um, you know my education my formal education is engineering I have a degree in industrial engineering and my first job was in supply chain I worked in Tyco Electronics in the supply chain department in the US mm-hmm. and I had done a couple of internships in finance so in Motilal Oswal Securities in finance in options and derivative trading and all that and uh, <laughs> I ended up doing a startup in marketing and uh, tech so how it all started out is basically when i came back to india from the us in 
I had enrolled myself in uh, a GMAT training course because obviously, you know, after the undergrad education, my parents wanted me to explore an MBA. And uh, so I, you know, enrolled for GMAT training in this educational institute called Jambore. So they're very, very, you know, top class institute and a lot of very good scores that students get for in GMAT and SAT. Back then and even now, they're quite a good institute. So in Jambore, education when i was going through these gmat classes what i observed and what i realized was there's a class of 12 14 16 students and all are in the range of age group of 18 to 20 21 22 mm-hmm. and these are all people who are very active on uh, online so i think back then facebook had just started opening up to countries outside of the us and what i realized was that uh, here are your people who in your 19 20 21 year old And the most amount of time that they spent is on a platform like Facebook and on the internet. And Jamburi as a business organization was investing almost negligible to zero time, effort, money in trying to reach out to their potential customers who are these students. So that is when a little bit of a light bulb uh, went off and, and, uh, you know, I approached the uh, owner of uh, Jamburi. And when I casually told him about this, he unexpectedly uh, said, yeah, why don't you make a proposal? I'll be more than happy to do it. Uh, So in fact, the uh, approach to him was, you know, not to get some business. It was more of, hey, I observed this and, you know, I think you should do this. And why can't, why aren't you doing it? And he turned it around on me and he said, this is great. If you know so much, then why don't you make a proposal and come back with what we can do? And I was like, wow, that's very interesting. I was not expecting that. So then I went and started looking up Google and you know, how do you make a proposal? What is the social media marketing and all that? And made a very nice uh, proposal. And, um, you know, to my surprise, he said, this is great. Let's do it. I, I still remember back then I had quoted him a price of 4,500 rupees to manage his social media. So this, you know, is how it all started. And then when I dug in a bit deeper, I realized that social media platforms Platforms are going to grow a lot in the coming years. There were very few, I think back then there were just three or four agencies with the focus on social media and digital marketing. It was in a very, very nascent phase. And another important kind of, you know, thing to to share here to give context to your listeners is in 2009, when I returned, if you remember that Obama was just elected president of the United States in 2008. Mm-hmm. So obviously I was, you know, very actively following that campaign when I was there in US and in, in the US, there is a way where you can uh, sign up and become part of the campaign. I had signed up and I was part of the Obama campaign. And in my area, I used to kind of uh, go around and give out these brochures and all that. And in that process, I learned the power of digital and social and how it helped you know, you can reach people, you can put your message across, you can raise funds, you can organize people, you can get people together for events and all that. So that had not yet been leveraged that well in India, at least in politics and in business also. Of course, in 2014, when Modi came into power, I think they used social media very, very effectively. Mm-hmm. So that experience of when I was there, uh, you know, it made me realize the power of social media as a platform, right? So that's how it all started. And, you know, one thing led to another. And I think uh, within three, four years uh, of Alive Now, we, you know, were working with some of the biggest brands in the country. That's how it all started. 
So in about 2000, I would say 13, 14, what we realized was this social media and digital marketing space was getting extremely crowded. Too many people trying to do the same thing. When I realized that okay, it it can't go on like this. We have to try and look at doing something else and something different. That's when we did two major kind of strategic pivots or strategic decisions. Where the first thing we said is we will not do any more work. as an agency which is typical agency is you pitch and you win a business and they are on a retainer for 2 years 3 years 4 years they pay you a monthly fee and the other thing we said is let us start exploring offering our solutions to markets outside of india so that we have our cost base in rupees but our revenue base in dollars that will always help in getting a very nice margin in terms of profitability Right. So that has worked out very well because we first, you know, got into creative tech. So anything at the intersection of marketing and technology, so social technology, creative technology, digital technology. So we started building on all these different platforms and had some of our own solutions. From six years ago to now, when we were getting in 2013, 14, 0% of our revenue was outside of India, and now it's almost 65 to 70% of our revenue and projects is outside of India. Only 30, 35%. of our revenue is in in the country right you know that seemed like a very well planned journey and uh, while we get into more details about your product tell me about your first project you know how did you really go about working on it or pitching it and more importantly how difficult was it to actually sell it to a client the struggle was more than convincing them about the platform because we started very early 2009 10 is when we started in a social media and digital marketing so not a lot of companies or teams were there doing this back then right so the struggle was not uh, you know getting them convinced about the platform the struggle was 22 year old guy coming and telling me how to do my marketing online right so <laughs> how do you believe uh, a kid right so that that's where the struggle was hmm. so thankfully you know the work with jambore you know got us some good attention and uh, when we started reaching out to some of the larger brands mm-hmm. you know they saw what we do and we ended up working with them and what happened was after a year or two more than me as an individual going and pitching and trying to get work the work started speaking for itself right so it was not about evaluating the individual anymore it was more about evaluating the work that you've done and have you delivered hmm. so that obviously helped right so the more good work you do the more uh, your kind of notice in the market and people come and they would they would like to work with you so the best way to get more business is deliver results that you promised which you know we were doing on a regular basis so that was very helpful so in a way through the 11 year journey of alive now we've really never really struggled to get business uh, you know it's been our work has really helped us get more and more business i would say mm-hmm. right other now just taking a step back to focusing on your offerings let's start with content right a part of creative technology now focuses on innovative ways to showcase content say if i have to talk about interactive videos out of all these can you share some interesting insights on how engagement or the roi significantly changes when a brand opts for an interactive video rather than just posting a regular video absolutely many of you will realize uh, will not know that when facebook first was there there was no video in facebook the feed was there and in the feed there was only photos and then there were links so video came 
much later. So once the video was introduced in Facebook, what happened was the first two, three years, there was great numbers. People were watching videos on Facebook. So after a point of time, it became that the user on Facebook watching videos, it's a very passive use case, right? So you're just watching and nothing is happening. Right. Now, if you're watching a show or something entertaining, that's totally fine because you're watching it for that. But from a business point of view, right? So how can you add a layer of, say, commerce on the video? How can you add a layer of interactivity on the video? And how can you add a layer of things like let the user decide what the journey of the video is, right? So there's so many different things that you can end up doing in interactive videos. Now, from a business point of view, when we went to business to, to kind of tell them that, hey, look, don't look at video as a passive vehicle where you, you produce a video, you put it up and then people watch it. Yeah, that's fine. But then guess what? The world has moved on. There's lots of very different and interesting things that you can do with video. So, you know, something we did for a huge retailer uh, about three, four years ago when they released their collection, you know, they released spring, summer and all that was we took the video that they, they shot anyway, and then we added a commerce layer to it. So every time the model walked up and down, you can actually click on the model, look at the clothes, add to cart, check out and do stuff like that. So back then that was like, wow, that's so innovative. Right. Similarly, you know, we did something very, very fun with Sentosa, Singapore Sentosa, where there, what the, what the brand wanted to communicate is that there is, there is life uh, in this place, both during the day and the night. Mm -hmm. So basically what we did was uh, there were two videos that were shot exact same place, exact same people, one during the day and one during the night. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of overlaid both on each other. And as you watch the video, you press and hold, you right. keep flipping between the day view and the night view. So that kind of was really good. Mm -hmm. And then another interesting kind of use case is your uh, Bandersnatch style where user decides the journey of the video. So the video starts and then it stops after 15 seconds and you say, what do you want to do now? And then based on what you click, the video continues, right? So stuff like this is what excites brands as well. And stuff like this, if you think about it, it is not passive viewing, it is active viewing because the user is involved in some way, right? Your recall value automatically goes up versus when you're just showing a passive, you know, viewing experience. So these are just some of the examples of interactive videos, right? There's so many very interesting things that we've done, you know, something we did for uh, Vodafone in the Middle East, where there's a 360 environment of the house, and then uh, you, you tap on different hotspots over there through the video, the video kind of goes there and talks about the safety features and all that. So lots of fun and interesting things that you can do with interactive video. And I think interactive video is also at a very, very nascent stage. I think with know, faster internet speeds, faster uh, 4G, and hopefully with 5G, more powerful phones, you're, you're going to have many new and different, uh, you know, interactive video experiences that are going to be uh, getting built. And when we speak about content, uh, the use of AR filters is another part of creative and strategic dialogues. Isn't AR-based Facebook or social media ads a thing to look out for in the near future? Correct. Yeah. So when Spark opened up, right, and Spark AR basically is a platform where you build augmented reality experiences for Facebook and Instagram. Right. So that's also got a very interesting journey. It started with only AR on Facebook, which then expanded into AR on Facebook and Instagram. 
And then, you know, not a lot of people will know that how on the Facebook ads platform, you have ads for video, ads for, you know, promoting on the feed and ads for app installs and add that. There is a ad unit for augmented reality itself. It's mm-hmm. called AR ads. It's been out there just for a few months. So what that basically enables brands is to create an AR experience using Spark AR and then promote it on the newsfeed of uh, Facebook using the specialized ad unit you know, that uh, Facebook has created for augmented reality called AR ads, which basically means that Facebook is taking AR very, very seriously. And we know that because we you know, work very, very closely with them from the very early days of Spark, keep interacting with both the business team and the tech team. So they're taking AR very seriously. And uh, I think there's a lot more very interesting things to come in AR as well. Absolutely. And I think another part of AR filters, also because from a personal interest and for our brands too, that I create a lot of them, simply because I love the convenience that Spark AR offers as a platform. You know, the fact that you can create these filters without the knowledge of coding is phenomenal. That is why it became so easy for someone like me who didn't know coding to go about and start creating my own filters. Uh, Another part of this is also that they have a very active community on Facebook and Instagram, which is not just creative, but also very helpful when you put in a query or when you ask for recommendations or even when you want to collaborate with them to create a filter. But tell me from your experience, also because they're expensive to create, how are clients reacting to AR filters and the cost it comes at? Right. So it's been, it's been fantastic. The, the replies and the feedback that we get from brands has been amazing. And so there's a couple of things to keep in mind you know, when you think about AR, right? So now you think of the history of advertising, marketing, branding, and even digital. And let's just stick to the web and the mobile. And you think about the history, right? The last 10, 15, 20 years. It's for the first time ever that because of AR, you're able to deliver experiences where people can engage with content using their hands, their mouth, their eyes, their face, do gestures, all those things. Till AR, it was only scroll up and down, swipe left and right, click, that's it. Basically, you know, with your finger. Mm -hmm. Now, because of this, it opens up a huge kind of world of possibilities of what you can do. Right. right. So now that is what excites brand. Mm-hmm. Now what has happened is you excite a brand about it. Now what do you do with it? Now we have seen all kinds of AR experiences built globally to absolutely crap ones where you start doubting the promise of AR to absolutely spectacular AR experiences where you're like, wow, this is exactly why augmented reality is, you know, kind of a glimpse into the future of marketing and all that. I think when you go to brands and then you show them the promise of AR. Most of the brands absolutely love it because this is something new. This is something different. You can do things you've never done before, all of that. But then what happens is when the actual execution happens, we have seen many times, you know, low quality stuff that goes out in the market and the promise of AR, people start questioning it. That's the first thing. Now the second thing, what we've observed is, Pretty much all the brands that we work with, they absolutely love to try AR for the first time and the second time because of the novelty factor. 
oh wow this is new this is cool this is different let's do something but at the end of the day when you have to get repeat business and when you want ar to be a part of the broader strategic marketing plan and the broader marketing plan on in every campaign plan you have to back it up with you know business metrics and roi and why should i be doing ar when i can do something else and you know get the business results that i get so that is again where people lot of people and lot of companies in ar they struggle and they don't are not able to justify in our case you know we are able to do that because you know we back it up with numbers it's a combination of you need to do this yes because it's interesting and innovative but at the end of the day it is also going to drive business results how a b c d e we give layout the reasons and that's why i think brands keep coming back to us and we keep getting more and more work and we keep doing more and more interesting stuff so we never compromise on quality we don't outsource anything so we have our in-house team of developers we have our in-house team of designers 3d modelers animators so we don't outsource anything that is another thing what we've seen is someone picks up an ar project and they outsource three things to three different people and then it's total mess when the final result comes so and your your quality control goes for an absolute top we have everything what we do is kind of taken care of internally itself so we have full kind of control over quality and delivery as well so this is you know kind of a brief overview of of ar on these social platforms right and i'm sure there's a lot of planning that goes into the process of creation and submission of ar filters too but one of the most talked about topic even in the communities is the constant rejection of filters made by the creators how difficult is the submission process and how complicated is it from platform to platform see i'll tell you what so we have about 8 or 9 developers in our team who do ar okay on all their tables all the spark ar guidelines printed out and we have like eight copies on the tables of all our developers and our account managers right and that has helped us a lot because i tell them that this is that is your duty don't blame it on facebook don't blame it on instagram the guidelines are there and it's very very clear because of that our rejection rate in filters has been so 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 low if you go to the community and you read through some of the comments that are there mm-hmm. 90% are very straightforward very black and white cases of this is a violation of the guideline why are you asking thing why does it not get approved i think a lot of people get excited learn about how to create filters on spark ai but they don't spend that time to go through the guidelines the guidelines are crystal clear right yes they keep changing but they're very clear so i think if people creators companies whoever it is want to build ar on spark if they spend hours together building a filter just spend half an hour and read through the guidelines right and automatically your rejection rate comes down our rejection rate is so low like it's like 2% like for every 20 30 filters we do maybe one gets rejected and that too that is something where what we've overlooked and or we fix it and it, it goes back and it gets approved so in terms of snapchat and tiktok so very recently we also became you know official lens partners with snapchat as well what we've seen is the approval process on snapchat at least the time that they take to approve is much much faster within 24 hours whether it's approved or rejected you know now with tiktok the process is very very different the 
app obviously i mean it's been banned but then you know we do work with them for some of the other countries for the ar bit where in tiktok what happens is there is no platform like spark where you go and upload or a lens studio and where you go and to the back end and you upload so for tiktok what you have to do is you got to first of all be ar partner with them which then gives you access to their latest tool to build those ar filters and then the asset file itself has to be sent to you know the headquarters of tiktok and they'll do a quality check control and then they will upload it onto their app that's the process right now i'm sure it's again just a matter of time before they uh, also have a you know platform in place where it you know it's it's similar to spark or, uh, or snapchat the elephant in the room which i think over the next 12 to 24 months is going to just be massive and explode is web ai so building augmented reality uh, experiences on mobile web basically bringing the magic of ar on your smartphone's uh, web browser so again none of this would have you know been possible 2 3 years ago because your capabilities of the phone itself was not there your processor speed your uh, ability for the phone to kind of even load and open ar experiences was a bit tough so all that has obviously changed and going forward phones are only going to get better and better hmm. and these platforms that are coming up that help power where they are experiences so eight wall is one of them where we work very closely we are a partner with them they help where you can build web ar experiences and then zapper is another one as well eight wall has been doing some phenomenal work it's a platform where you know tech teams can go and build a web ar experiences in fact you know very soon we'll be launching the first web ar experience for any brand in india so we're doing it for a big conglomerate and it's going to come out very awesome we've been testing it and it's come out very well mm-hmm. so why web ar because one web ar there is no need to download any app right two there are a lot of guidelines and limitations on your spark ar and lens studio you can do this you cannot do this you have to approval process and all that all that is thrown out of the window when you do web ar it is as if you're building your own ar experience on your own landing page you can you can build whatever you want so that is a huge huge you know advantage because right. you know one of the things that in in spark many people uh, talk about how oh i can do something on instagram but then i can't have a buy now button to convert my you know a person who's interacted in ar into a potential customer right. now all that is you know kind of eliminated there are no file size limits you know how in lens studio and spark there's file size limit there's no file size limits in web ar Mm-hmm. so like this i think there's lots of interesting things that are going to happen in web ar interesting it's because unless you are a creator or a company indulging in it you can never know the capabilities of what web ar and filters can bring in right you know as i talk to you it's it's getting more interesting and this is pretty cool now moving on from filters to bots let's talk about messenger bots and why should one really opt for it and uh, how has it been evolving over time so if you look at messenger bots and even in the work that we've done right basically there's two categories of messenger bots so the first category is your uh, permanent chatbot that's always there which has things like customer service uh, where is my store what are my timings what products are available so that's your typical messenger bot where uh, you know you the, the, the brand on the brand page uh, you can basically ask questions and get answers and to 90 95% of the frequently asked questions so that's there's 
there's no uh, kind of genius thing over there. It's pretty straightforward. Now, the second type of messenger bots is where we specialize in, which is campaign-based messenger bots. Now, what are these campaign-based messenger bots? So like how in creative tech, we can do games and we can do uh, uh, playable ads and we can do AR. In messenger bots, very interesting things you can do. Again, I'll give you some examples and I will tell you what we did. So we did interesting messenger bot for HSBC last year in Middle East, where for Eid, you could create your own Eid greeting, customized Eid greeting through a bot, chatbot conversation. And the same thing we did, uh, something very similar we did for Cadbury last year for Diwali, where you can create your own Diwali uh, greeting, where you start off and the bot says, how many photos do you want to upload to the greeting? I can select two or three. And I upload the photo through the bot as it, this is, I'm saying in a conversation itself, right. the bot asks you, then you upload, then the bot asks you again, you upload, either you take a picture or you upload from your album. And then the bot says, do you want to type in a customized message or uh, pick from one of these? Then you pick that, then you enter your name from two and all that. And within two minutes, then the bot will spit out either a video or an image, you know, customized however you want it. Now that is your, within two minutes, you using a chatbot, you've created your own custom greeting that you can share on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp and all that. So these, this is a example of a campaign based bot. Another one, we did something for uh, AMG, Mercedes AMG about two, two, three years ago, where it was, I think their 50th anniversary. So they had a 30 second ad that was already produced. Mm -hmm. Now, what we did when a user interacts with a messenger bot, you are able to pull his first name. So let's say you are interacting with that Mercedes bot. I know that it is Dakshin who's interacting, right? What we did, we started that Mercedes ad in AMG by putting your name in that first. Hello Dakshin. And then you see the ad, right? There was hello Dakshin, some copy, and then you see the ad. Mm -hmm. Now think about that. This is personalization at scale. Right. So you don't need to enter your name. You just start the chat bot and you say watch video. And the minute you say that, the bot is going to take 15, 20 seconds, generate that video and push it to you. And you'll be like, wow, this is so cool. Now in that same video, I mean, in that same messenger bot, we had things like an AMG quiz. So we pushed three audio tracks in the bot and you have to listen to all the three engine sounds and guess which is an AMG sound. So stuff like that. So this, these are campaign based bots where you can do very interesting, very different things, right? One of our most successful chatbot messenger bot campaigns has been in the Middle East with a brand called Alain Water. Now what we did with them was on the wrapper of the bottle, we put in a QR code, uh, scan the QR code to enter the unique number that's in the wrapper bottle and you, you might be a lucky winner. Now this campaign is basically recycling of you know, the old campaigns 15, 20 years ago where you buy a Coke or a thumbs up bottle and say, look below the cap and send the SMS, right? So it's something like that, but then new age modernized version saying, scan the QR code, start the messenger bot, enter the number, and then you will find out if you won something or not. Ash was hugely successful and that they did that, you know, consecutively for three, four campaigns. And, you know, we were getting numbers in the hundreds of thousands, sometimes in the millions where people, you know, used to buy the bottle and, you know, scan. And obviously there were, you know, your grand prizes and your main between prizes and all that. 
again, so this is again creative use of a messenger bot. Now the stuff that we create actually need a tech team that understood the platform to build stuff like this. True. And, and like I said, you know, the more I talk to you about this, the more I realize how much of a gap exists in understanding and embracing this technology. Because for a lot of business owners today, social media, even today is only about posting and not trying something innovative or investing in engagement and experience driven tools like these. I'm also going to try and understand your innovation with voice. That's, uh, that's a conversation that I frequently have been having on the podcast, trying to understand where voice is going from a content perspective or from an SEO perspective. Tell me, Adwit, from your point of view, with the future looking bright with regards to audio, what kind of home innovations are possible with this kind of technology? I think voice and Alexa and Google Home, it's going to take some more time to pick up and reach scale, right? Because when you look at big brands, they always want to do stuff that you can reach customers in scale. That's why Facebook, Instagram, and that's why TikTok before it got banned, it was in hundreds of millions of reach. Now, voice hasn't reached there yet. Maybe it's in, you know, few millions or tens of millions. Alexa and Amazon or Google Home, they don't really release data on that. But it's mainly in your tier one cities and even in your tier one cities, it's probably in the little mid to wealthy uh, household where Alexa is, right? So again, where we come in is where we say, okay, this is Alexa. This is all the things that you can do. What are some uh, interesting creative tech or branded solutions that we can do? So one of the very interesting things uh, we did was with Viacom 18 uh, last year, where uh, basically it was for a talk show that uh, Neha Dupya had, where what we basically did was you can answer questions about the talk show. It was a quiz with Alexa you ask Alexa to start the quiz and then you answer questions. And then we actually worked with the Amazon Alexa team where at the back end we integrated and we saw that if you answer these questions on a weekly and a regular basis and you get eight out of 10 or seven out of 10, right? You actually get a hundred rupees or a 500 rupees or a 250 rupees Amazon voucher. Mm-hmm. So that worked beautifully, right? So because you have to watch the show to answer the questions. So we were driving people to watch the show. So people were watching the show and on the show itself, Neha Dupia kind of ended with saying, Oh, don't forget to take the Alexa quiz. And then they went on and they took the quiz. So we had some, it was amazing. So that was, it was, it's a great way to transition from Alexa to show then from show to Alexa, so stuff like that. So obviously this was, uh, you know, because the, concept and idea was so different and innovative, you know, we got a chance to work directly with Amazon and the Alexa team and, you know, integrated it and did that. This is something that is not kind of open to everyone. Like you can't just go and build a skill like that and say, okay, who is the Amazon user and send him a voucher. So it's not fully opened up like that. So maybe they will in the future, but this, I mean, this is just one example of what you can do, uh, you know, with voice. Nice. And, and, you know, there's so many possibilities from this conversation already, and you've just opened a book of opportunities for me to explore. Uh, quickly moving away from a round of regular questions to a round of rapid fire questions. You've been observing the podcast, you know, the drill, right? So are you ready for this? Absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Great. 
technology to look forward to in the next one year? I think it's going to be web AR. Okay. There's a huge fan base for gaming and the need for gamification and bringing a live experience is increasing drastically with time, especially with online and during events. What's the experience like and why do you think there is a need for gamification today? So I think hyper-casual, bite-sized hyper-casual games, it's just the beginning. Even though we've been doing that for almost about four or five years, built almost 500 games for brands of all kinds uh, in, in, in all geographies and all sectors. It's because when you play a game, you know, it, it comes down to your, uh, the theory of, you know, you, you feel you're winning something. You feel you achieved something, even though it really doesn't mean anything. You feel you're interacting with the user and you're kind of rewarding them something and it's fun and it's exciting and it doesn't take more than 30 seconds to a minute. So I think there's a lot of interesting things that are still going to happen. And we've actually created all the different kinds of games that you can think of. So you can actually, if you look at our website or go to the Newsweek Smart Apps website, there's very, very fun, interesting games. We've done almost everything that is there is done for a brand. So there is a beautiful brand integration that also happens there. Uh-huh. WhatsApp stickers. Now let's talk about them. How is it adding value to content and why should brands consider it? I think it all comes down to, you know, it's a different way of expressing yourself. Again, WhatsApp give, has given us the opportunity to create, you know, uh, uh, stickers that are branded stickers. So whether it's for a cricket team to cheer or whether it's for a favorite band or your uh, artist or your movie to have some stickers, you can create it, you can upload it, you can create an app that users can download and integrate and use WhatsApp stickers. So it's just, there's not a lot of brands that are doing it, but I think there's interesting potential there because it just opens up new ways of expressing yourself. Nice. What's the most demanded job in the creative tech world? (laughs) That's a very, very tough question because early on, I used to think one type of role is more important than the other, but having, you know, built this organization for 11 years and doing so much work, I have come to appreciate that every single person is important in their own way. And even if one of that individual, whether from the design or the 3D or the tech or the account management or the strategy team is not there, there's a potential for the whole project to fall apart. So I really don't think one type of job or one type of role is more demanded or more important. That's that's my take on that. Okay. Three reasons why brands should embrace digital marketing with creative technology. There are actually many, <laughs> but I'll try and you know list out three. If you think about it to a large extent, marketing is also about getting people's attention. Mm-hmm. And getting people's attention, you're able to achieve a little bit more better when it's more immersive, when it's integrated with technology. So that's one. Two, Creative tech solutions are literally the only marketing tool where there is a two directional, uh, uh, what do you say, interaction. So everything else, watching an ad, watching a video, uh, reading an ad, looking at a banner, looking at a magazine ad, everything is just looking and consuming. That's it. But in creative tech, in its AR, in games, in bots, you're interacting with the user. There is a user involvement. So I think that is another very, very big thing. And whenever there's a user involvement with the brand, automatically your brand recall goes. And another uh, kind of reason I would say is your future customers, right, are millennials. And your millennials are active on all these platforms, already doing all these things. So instead of 
thinking of oh my god it costs so much i think brands should be talking about lifetime customer value of when i acquire that 19 20 21 22 year old now through all these platform using all these creative tech and innovative methods my lifetime value of that customer is incredible so that i think is another reason okay and finally what's next for alive now there's i mean there's a lot of things that we keep thinking of uh, you know we we've been a very very nimble team we keep uh, trying to do new and innovative things i think the next 12 to 18 months is very excited about web ar i think we're going to be doing a lot of interesting work in web ar Mm-hmm. and over the next 2 3 months you will see some very cool web ar experiences that we're building that will then lead to more people coming back and asking us to do that so i think that is something that we're looking forward to another interesting you know sector or thing that we're looking at is looking at ar for b2b and enterprise solutions so is there anything that we can build or any interesting things in b2b in businesses in manufacturing and those type of places that ar can solve So that's also something that we're looking at, and of course, you know, we want to continue creating some amazing experiences. I always tell my team that you know, three, four, five years ago, we could have built a great campaign and a great experience, but nobody remembers that. You're only as good as your most recent campaign that you built. Great, pretty cool and elaborated answers there. Well done, Adwith. Well done. Friend us on your socials and let's connect. Now moving on to the last question of this episode. This is a question taken from a thread. It states, "I am a content creator on Instagram and with Reels now allowing Instagram filters, if not an agency, where can I learn from to create these filters and more importantly, is there any course that I can opt for?" So unfortunately, there's no structured course. I think I think there's a lot of people in the community, Sparkia community that keep putting up courses so i think that is something that uh, this user can look at mm-hmm. uh, what i would also suggest is just about a few days ago there was a very nice uh, 35 40 minute discussion from uh, a senior person in instagram and a senior person in facebook pakeya mm-hmm. basically talking about reels what is reels how are users using reels what type of filters uh, you know the community should be building so that it is used in reels and it is on the spark ai community so that is something on the official spark ai page that is something uh, you know this user can kind of go and look at great adwit this conversation has been a great value add for me personally and seems like i'm going to be bothering you a lot more often to learn more about the super cool innovations that you guys do i hope you had a great time conversing on this episode absolutely i mean uh, you know i love sharing uh, insights of what we're doing and uh, i hope uh, You know, it's a good, good value add to users, and happy to answer any of their questions. They can always, uh, you know, inbox us, uh, write to me if they have anything they want to know about. More than happy to share my thoughts. And thank you, thank you for your time, and uh, good luck uh, with the this episode and the upcoming episodes. I think podcasts are uh, picking up, uh, and especially this one. I mean, there's a lot of lousy podcasts out there that I've observed, but this one is really top quality stuff because I've been following and. looking at uh, you know the last few episodes that you've done great content great speakers who are providing a lot of value and i hope uh, you know the users like uh, this as well thank you thank you that's really kind of you adwit always wishing best for alive now and your personal ventures thank you so much well that's it for today's episode on the deliberate talks podcast so tell me what did you learn today new and what do you want to learn next leave a comment below and don't forget to follow or subscribe 
You can also share your feedback on the deliberate talks at gmail.com or on the social media platforms of the deliberate talks or the pixelated egg digital ventures. Join in next week for another conversation with yet another expert. And until then, inspire and be inspired.